0: Hello and welcome back to the Trial by Fire podcast with your host Stacey and Rachel. Stace, welcome back. Yeah. Is
1: that exciting enough? Or do oh. you need to redo that?
0: No, it's good. It's good. It's <laughs> very us. It's very us. We're still in this like weird quasi-warm weather and so um, I think we're a little tired this evening but we are definitely happy to be with all of you tonight. You having a good day so far? Oh, it's been
1: a long day. It's been a long day. i'm gonna be happy when
0: we're done today oh yes not so
1: much the podcast just the day in general
0: (laughs) well i think those are definitely those vibes as the summer ended and falls now here we're all feeling that sort of similar exhaustion uh so we are looking forward to having a great conversation with all you today so stace go ahead and lead us in some opening prayer
1: in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen oh my god i am heartily sorry for having offended thee And I detest all my sins, because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because they have offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. And I firmly resolve, with the help of your grace, to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I chose the uh, act of uh, contrition to start today, because today our topic is discernment. And um, I think one of the first steps uh, in discernment is actually kind of clearing your mind, kind of examining your conscience and um, opening yourself up to God to see what he's truly asking of you or maybe, you know, what he's calling you to do. And I think that's hard for us because I think a lot of us don't like to admit it, but I think the average person is pretty strong-willed. And I think probably 90% of the time we know what God's calling us to do. It's just getting over that kind of human, that mental hump to actually submit our uh, will to God's will. And I think that can be really difficult. Uh, at least for me, it's really difficult.
0: I would completely agree with that. Um, just, uh discernment has always been something just as a, fr- like, on a friendship level. Uh, you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit, especially with me. I'm just, like, making a decision and trying to, like, use, like, what I believe is going to be best on my here. But sometimes it's just so important to offer it up to God and be like, okay, like, God, guide me here. But the stubbornness of my humanity goes, but really, though? Like, you should really look my way. And that's just so... Openly defiant of faith. And so for as much as I laughed when we discussed this being the topic, it's actually totally spot on.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm counterproductive sometimes to God's will for me. Um, and it's funny because like I think the discernment in itself is this kind of lofty notion of uh, you sitting quiet and being open to the Spirit or being open to God and this great epiphany is going to come. And, you know, like, this weird sparkly light's gonna shine down, and the path will be really obvious and really clear, and, I don't know, maybe that's happened for some people, but good grief, that never, ever happens for me. I kind of have, I'm more along the lines of, I have to kind of, like, do the absolute, completely wrong thing, be slapped around a few times, and then I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna do that. Let me do what my first notion was, which was probably the right thing anyways, but... But it usually takes me a while to kind of get on that path. And, and you know, the other thing I find about dis- with discernment is I find in order to get better at discerning God's will for us, we have to be good at the small things almost. Because I think when it comes to discernment, it's really easy for us to be like, well, I'm discerning God's will for me, you know, when it comes to religious life. Or I'm just, you know, discerning my vocation in life, or, you know, whether, you know, this guy's for me, or whether I should get married, or whatever it is, and then, it's like we sweat the, the big things, and then the small things, we just kind of, are just kind of like, oh, it's just mundane, who cares, but I think the more we, uh, become in tune with God with the small tasks that we're charged with each and every day, the large tasks don't loom so, uh, so heavy for us over our heads, You know, they don't weigh as heavy on us. It's a little bit easy for us to be more in tune and step with what God is uh, is asking of us.
0: And I think a lot of times, and this is where, you know, in life, we tend to, like, when we pray to God, a lot of times we, like, go to him when we're in need or if we're, like, in this, like, area of, like, genuine, like, I need this now. I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. And we, like, go to God for that. And sometimes the signs that he puts in front of us are very clear of where you're supposed to go. But because it's not what you're prepared to do, or what you even desire to change, we're gonna be like, Oh no, he's not hearing me. Oh, God didn't hear my prayer. I'm not understanding. And that is such a like a mortal weakness of us to be like, Oh, wait, he is being very clear and telling me what to do. I'm just ignoring it with my own stubbornness. Um, and I can say I would like to challenge I would challenge Stacey that I'm even more stubborn than she is because there have been so many things in my life that I should have done one way. And I've gone so hard headed and just like, har- like harmed my own goals just because I thought like what uh, my way was the right way. And then when it all fell apart and the solution was right there, I have to like be like, Oh man, whatever. Like, I should have done that, but it is what it is.
1: Well, I mean, There's definitely been times in my life when I made my situation exponentially worse by a decision I made or either something I did or something that I I didn't do. But I'd like to tell you that when I was faced with that situation again later on in life that I made a better decision or a better choice, but um, yeah, no, that wasn't always the... that wasn't always what happened. Sometimes I, I didn't make necessarily the same mistake or the same choice twice. But I made an equally as poor one or equally as erroneous one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I mean, that's why I think when, we, when we're in tune um, on the small task, it makes it a little easier to face the larger tasks. But I think it's just intrinsic to our human nature that when it comes to huge decisions, we go before God. You know, because there is that. You know that there is that inward notion, that inclination. I think in us that we want to get it right, that we want to align with what God's um, God's desires for us or His choices for us. But I think it is—you uh, hit on it when you said it's our own stubbornness, our own kind of frail humanity. We are victims of our own humanity, so to speak, when it comes to those types of situations. Uh, but. Like I said, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but the small tasks. When when I feel when I feel like I'm most successful is when I'm I'm doing everything, even the small tasks and even the larger tasks that I'm including God in all of them, which is hard. It's it's difficult because there's so many things you do throughout the course of the day or throughout your life that you know you think, oh, I don't really need to involve God in that.
0: Well, I think that's so funny you said that because, like, this literally, like, fell into my lap just in the past couple weeks. Um, I think our listeners know that I'm a huge fan of my old Mustang that I take care of, my car. And I love driving that thing around. It's, like, a staple, like, kind of, like, almost, like, similar to identity of, like, oh, the girl in the red Mustang, right? Um, However, you know, just, like, with certain things, like, there are just certain dangers and like di- like more expensive things that happen when you maintain a car um but I tend to be the kind of person that like the light comes on the car and I'll push I'm like oh it's like not that big of a deal or like oh I'll, I'll get back to that like it'll be fine and just like this year like all those kind of poor choices where it's like you know you need to re-pivot you need to look forward I would just ignore I'd be like you know what? it's fine it's fine um, but then, you know, I was getting frustrated and I was like, you know, I was praying about it and trying to be like, um, you know, because just like this in general, my work commute, like with in terms of my driving, um, I do like f- over 500 miles a week driving. So, you know, with gas prices the way they are, things are stressful, but like, oh, I'll well, tough it out. The Mustang's great. Everything's fine. Last week I was driving. And a particular light came on that was flashing. But my car still drove. And I was like, oh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the plugs. I'm really not worried about it. Well, then I drove lights off. I'm like, I knew it. I knew I was fine. I go from one work site to another. And by the time I'm at the other site, it's like rapid flashing. Like panic, panic. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. Well... My, you know, my family and friends know I lecture during the day. So they don't often try to reach me midday unless there's an emergency. And out of the blue, uh, one of my family members calls. Is like, hey, are you okay? Like, I just have a really bad feeling. And I said, you know, I'm fine. I'm mad at my car, though. And like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, this thing happened. And I'm just so frustrated because I think I was goofing off and trying to fix it this weekend and it wear blah, blah. She goes, let me call our family mechanic and see. So they call, and I get a call immediately saying, do not drive that car. That light means your engine's going to stall, and you're going down the grade. You will crash. Like, you will crash if you drive this vehicle. So, of course, that's not what you want to hear. And you're like, Meh! like, you're like, panicked. So I go, get it towed from, um, like, 35 miles away home. And I just sit. I'm sitting in with the fact that I possibly need to invest in a new car. And of course, you know, when you think about things like that, you're like worried about money and you're worried about time and work and bills. And I just sit, was sitting there and I was being really stubborn because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find this way. I'm going to make it faster. I'm going to do this and it'll be a quick fix and Everyone in my life was telling me, this is not a quick, easy fix. Like, you need to pivot. And I was just ignoring the voices, ignoring the sign. And then fast forward to a couple days ago. And out of the blue, some uh, another family member says, hey, you should check out this dealership. They've always been good. I'm like, okay. And I look and I'm like, oh, you know, all their cars are really nice, but way... Too expensive, way too new for what I'm looking for. I'm trying to have a low car payment, blah, blah. Every excuse, like mortal excuse I'm giving myself not to look. And then I, they happen to call me. And apparently someone is like, I, because you scroll and gives info, you know, on social media, that happens. And I just talk with them and they're like, hey, why don't you come by today? And if you like it, we can get you financed and ready to go. I'm like, Pfft, all right, like I lecture, I'll see what happens. Not only, you know, like I'm like sitting there, I'm almost like nervous. Like my heart is like, oh my gosh, like, is this right? Like, is God really wanting me to do this? And so before I even like arrive, I'm listening to my music, praying, asking God and my angels around, you know, loved ones that passed away. I'm like, please guide me. Let this be what I'm supposed to do. And not only did I find a car, I found a car newer, lower mileage, and lower lower monthly payment than anything I had looked at and researched on my own. And when I left it up to God and, you know, he put the right people in, he put everything into place for me, even though it was a big day, it's a big change, and you're like, it goes from like, you know, Mustang girl to small SUV girl. I literally just had to leave it to him and he blessed the right person who was a person of faith and they just were so supportive and I just, I could not be more humbled by that discernment to be able to just leave it to God and listen to the path that he really wants us on. And moral of the story, before big purchases and big changes, it is okay to offer it up to God because the right path will be before your feet. Yeah. Or in front of your wheels, technically, in my case.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Really? It's the eye roll. I, I needed it. I hadn't gotten one
1: really? yet. Oh, my gosh. Every episode of our podcast is not a Disney movie.
0: It's not a Disney movie. i like a nice update. It's not a Disney movie. <laughs> hey, I have had some downer things on here before. This one just happened to be an, a, a positive ending.
1: I won't tell you that a bunch of those
0: cars got recalled last week. No, I'm just kidding. Rude! <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I said, I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> no. I went over that news before I even invested. What would I know? I
1: don't even drive anymore.
0: What are you talking about you don't even drive I don't, anymore?
1: I go a whole week without driving a vehicle a lot of times.
0: Are you kidding me? I love your big old trucks.
1: Yeah, but I don't drive every day or sometimes every week. I
0: mean, mm. I either
1: walk or ride the bike, so... Yeah, that
0: electric bike is great.
1: I still ride my old bike though, so I mean, oh. yeah. And once my my new puppy can get out and about, also I'll be able to walk more with the with the dogs again. So, yeah. And uh, and see, you had a good thing. I had a horrible thing since we recorded last time because yeah. discernment, you know. And sometimes some of us are better at it than others. And um, so I lost one of my one of my dogs, <laughs> and that was a hard decision and. Um, it sounds lame, and I'm always begging on Rachel for being cheesy, and now I sound cheesy, but, (laughs) I mean, you never know when the right time is the right time, and clearly I didn't have very good discernment skills on that, so I had to rely on my better half, and so, yeah, so... But I did pray. It sounds dumb, because it's just a dog, and it's just an animal, but... Uh,
0: never just a dog. But... Never I, just a but dog. But I did
1: pray, and, you know, if it was the right decision, and, um, yeah, so... Kind of a bummer, now that I've depressed all the listeners.
0: No, but think about what happened after. What, you know, and lost one, gain another.
1: Yeah, but I still miss... I still miss Bowie. Oh, yeah. I mean... Shoot, I still miss the other dog, Jake, but... <sighs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, life goes on, and new challenges, I guess, await, but, um, yeah, but I'd like to think that my discernment skills get better as I get older, but I don't think so. I think it's just as challenging as when you're young.
0: Oh, I would think it's even worse as we get older, and uh, our listeners, definitely let us know in the comments if you agree or disagree with me on this. As I get older, unfortunately, I get only more sure of myself. Thanks to my experience. And so I tend to be a little more stubborn and be like, oh, well, if it did it this way, I don't have to try because I know that it would happen this way. And I won't, like, fix my mindset sometimes. So it makes discernment really challenging because God will want me to change or make a certain decision and my instincts go, "Eh," like, just want to autocorrect.
1: I'm way too analytical for that. No, no experience is always the same for me. I, I won't, I won't bet on anything because it's never a certainty. There's just no way, no yeah. how. Um, but, yeah, so, but I think that, you know, the other thing is that I think the reason I personally struggle with discernment is because I struggle with, um, with trust. Um, that is, I, I think I've talked about that on here before. That was the one of my biggest struggles with uh, Saint Faustina is that, you know, the divine, the image of divine divine mercy that you know Jesus I trust in you, um, that's a hard thing to say, I and mean, that's one of the at least for me that's one of the hardest devotions that I you know that I do that chapel of divine mercy is often quite frankly it's often very times distracting for me because. I don't feel like my heart is into it because the whole time I'm praying that chaplet I'm thinking about I can't I resist not I wouldn't say with all of my being but I'm so resistant to that idea I don't know why um, I don't I, I mean I guess somebody might say it's a lack of faith I don't think that that's what it is it's just very hard I think to be completely, um, completely trusting in it, you know, and um, and and that sounds really um, like you know heretical or the sin of apostasy, but uh, you know I do believe in God's infinite mercy, but I also believe in in God's um, wise judgment. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard, <coughs> you know, to trust
0: like that. Yeah. Trust is a huge one for me. And I know we have talked about this before. Um, but I think too, because I I can't speak for you. But I know for me, I'm like a worst case scenario person. Like if I look at something, I'll have to think of all that could happen or potentially happen in order to move forward. And like that, like over like, for, and like to the point of like not necessarily anxiety, but like weighted like weighted realism to the like borderline pessimism almost um that i know is like an example of a lack of faith but i think it's just in our own human nature that we don't want to get hurt we don't want to fail by nature you know we want to be successful
1: but i I don't think it's a lack of faith because you know um i try to do an examination of conscience every night before i go to bed And I think what bugs me the most is when I think about, when I replay my day in my head. Sometimes, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday go by, and there was exact instances where I failed, like, all four times. In the, almost in identical ways. And it, and it doesn't have to be anything, like, drastic. You know, Mm -hmm. it could be something really simple. So I don't think it's it's my lack of faith. I think what bugs me is that I did that same thing four days in a row. I had four clear opportunities. It wasn't like situations that were out of the ordinary, like, oh, my gosh, you were, you came up on a car crash and you could have saved someone. It's never anything that drastic. (laughs) It's always just something dumb that you're like, gosh, I like, I had an opportunity to be a much better person there and I failed and then the next day comes and then you're laying in bed and you're like oh my gosh I had a great opportunity to be a much better p- and I failed you know and then by the end of the week you're like oh my what is wrong with me Yeah, what is wrong with me you know like I failed all week at well clearly I fail at different things but when you fail at the same thing I mean it's kind of difficult I don't know it's just, dis- I guess, it's disappointing.
0: Well, I think that it's you know, sometimes, and I try to explain this with my students of all ages and classes. When we go through and we're developing a skill, you know, we're never going to get the same results every time. That's just impossible. We're never going to get like a ten out of ten out of everything but it's in frustrating life. To right, some of us. Right. And so you go through right? and you go through and you want to do it and you want to be the best. You want to be great. But sometimes it's not going to happen. It's just not. And if it's something that you really want and you're like, oh, like, I'm going to do great. I'm going to do the best. I'm going to master this. And you don't achieve that goal. That could be like a really like firm point of frustration. And so just on like a teaching principle when it's, I'm helping someone else. I always tell them like, hey, view this as like, this is your baseline. This is your opportunity and growth will come after. I said that view that from my teaching perspective on a personal level, when I have something like that happen, oof, I get fired up. And there's a lot of like frustration and like, like not self-hatred, but like, like self punishment of like I can't believe I did this like how can I be so dumb how do I keep doing this same thing over and over and it's, it's a big cycle so it's like easier of course to tell others like hey redirect view this but then turning it inward and having that discernment to understand your own faults and like where you need to like reposition or redirect that is challenging it is super hard to do
1: yeah no I'm not very good at redirecting Um, I think I'm you know very kind of a focused person a persistent person and I'll I'll try I'll stay at it until I can well not master it because there's a lot of things I don't master in life but I'll keep trying till I'm darn near perfect at least I mean but you know Earlier, when we were talking about, um, you know, smaller decisions versus larger decisions. It's kind of funny how, you know, your human mind kind of works when it comes to things like that. Because way back when, in an earlier episode of our show, I think I talked about that. When I talked about discerning religious life versus married life. And and I thought about religious life for, I mean, years, Right? And then I kind of decided about married life, and not that long. My, I mean, there's a huge disparity in between how long I thought about religious life versus how long I thought about, you know, married life, uh, which sounds super bad, by the way. But I have been married a long time, so it must have been, it must have been the right choice. <laughs> uh, but um, but it's funny how your mind works because, you know, I remember the biggest thing with uh, with what I thought was a, a vocation or a call to religious life, was that, you know, I felt that that's what God was calling me to do. When Gabe came along, I had to entertain the idea of married life. I mean, not right when he came along, but after a while, I had to entertain that. And it was funny because here I was dead set on this thing that I thought God was calling me to. Now, that's kind of been basically upended. It's, you have to do like a 360, and... It's it was weird because then when I, had, when I thought about uh, marriage as a vocation, um, it didn't seem to take me as long. I don't know if that's because you're dealing with another person who can, who's actually verbally communicating with you, saying yes. Or, you know, Do you, like, will you marry me? But um, it's weird how they were both, you know, some of the biggest decisions I made in my life. Um, because even, even with Gabe, you know, that meant that I had to say no to religious life. You know, not many people know that, but it still was, I had to say no to something. You know, even though it wasn't happening, it still was a decision, a door that was, that I had to kind of close. And it's, it's just kind of ironic and funny how one took me so long to actually be even, well, pretty darn close to saying yes to, to entering the convent. And then, you know, like I said, years, and then it took me, it took me maybe a year or so to decide that, you know, um, yeah, I guess I could be married. I don't know. <laughs> you know? So, but it's funny how your your mind, because when you strip it all down, obviously both of them are equally huge decisions. They're life-changing decisions, so...
0: So when we discussed that we were going to be doing this episode about discernment, you know, I, I think being a youth minister, and I'm sure you get this being our religious director, we always get emails that we subscribe to that, like, we tend to use for lesson planning or to help our catechists grow, and I laughed because this article I got uh, in September about just like about a week or so ago was called Six Questions Deter- to Determine if an Opportunity is from God. <laughs> and I laughed. I'm like, oh, there you go. Like what we're talking about. Um, and so if you don't, you know, if you don't subscribe already, um, I really like Crosswalk.com. They're a... Um, all, like, faith-based communication company and the articles, they are all about, like, living a faith-based life. Uh, and for the most part, like, even the articles I disagree with, like, they challenge me to be better and, like, level up a little. So, or at least, like, r- like keep my sharpened perspective on certain things. And so I'm going to, like, run through some of these questions with you guys and see if you're asking yourself these questions when you're trying to discern a problem or an opportunity in your life. Uh so first, like huge shout out to Sarah Hay- uh, Haymaker, who's the writer of this particular article with Crosswalk. And so um I'm gonna go over these six with Stacy to see if this like is in line when we, you know, because Stacy does such a great job of um, really reflecting on herself in that examination of consciousness every night. Uh, but for some of us who tend to be a little faster paced and don't remember to slow it down, um, this is a great way for you, especially in a point where if you're deciding to get married, if you're deciding to enter a uh, religious life, if you're moving and you need you know are looking for a new job or new um, new chance on life somewhere. Um, these questions are something that you would ask to kind of guide you in that way. Um, so the first thing that you want to ask yourself when you're, have a problem, like a giant problem or an opportunity in front of you is what does the Bible say? And so, ha, I just got the eye roll. I just got the eye roll already. Um, uh, but, but this is something that went through my PhD program. I've actually had to like incorporate into practice, kind of learn what to do. But I do, and I will admit this because I trust my listeners. I use like Bible support with Google sometimes. Like, what I'll do is like if I, because I don't memorize everything, right? Like, of course, I have like the, Bible verses that are, like, close to my heart, but sometimes if there's, like, a particular issue I struggle with, I'll go, like, Bible verses about gratitude, or Bible verses about struggle, and, like, kind of, like, get, like, a keyword reminder, and then I'll open my Bible and, like, do a little bit more of a deep dive, um, but sometimes, like, I will say Google's helpful in that way of, like, redirecting to me using my own Catholic Bible. This better be good right That's all I gotta say. well i'm just saying like w- would you ag- would you agree with asking the bible like or like turning to the bible for like a particular problem i
1: feel like this is a trap question so just continue with your other questions Ugh. and then i'll go from fine. there fine
0: <laughs> number two what does the holy spirit say
1: do
0: you really want me to comment yes i do this is like our collaborative conversation I- Okay, okay, by the way, I'm so glad we don't have a video camera on us because our faces are gold today.
1: I hate when people say that.
0: The Holy Spirit? Well, how? You're talking to the youth minister who literally it is my job to instill the importance of the Holy Spirit with our teenagers of this parish. How I, just,
1: uh, I think it's like a laissez-faire type of attitude toward spirituality.
0: What is la... Okay, <laughs> I'm curious about this. How is it laissez-faire to turn to the Holy Spirit? Which is, mind you, the Holy Spirit is, I, like, I our didn't pass- say that.
1: I didn't say it was lazy fair to turn to the Holy Spirit. But did I say? What would the Holy Spirit say?
0: But isn't it a Catholic belief that, like, when we take on the sacramental confirmation, right, we get the seal of the Holy Spirit, which means we have those amazing gifts. So, aren't we, like, by turn, like... What would the Holy Spirit do? Aren't we looking at our own fire and our own passion toward the solution? I don't know. I'm getting, like, a lot of looks today. I feel like a lot of what I'm saying is kind of like, this is done.
1: I, I think it's just one of those things that just rub me the wrong way. I'm sorry. No,
0: not a problem. I,
1: I don't know, because cause sometimes, like, people say that to me. And then I like just let the spirit move you, and I'm like,
0: okay, I'm not saying being like hippy dippy. Let the spirit uh, go. Let's get some wine and let the spirit flow. I'm not talking about that.
1: No, I don't think they mean it like that either. But it's just like, no, um, I'm not real quite certain which spirit you're listening to, but um, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question. Next three. The number three. What does common sense say?
1: Oh, you can't exit to be one of the that, yeah. When was this written?
0: This was written, like, last week. What? The article was released last week.
1: Holy cow.
0: So common sense, and I agree with you. Common
1: sense would tell me that you can't ask people about common sense these days.
0: I agree 100% with you. I think that especially out of a post-COVID reality, people are so ingrained in their own bubble of perspective that their definition of common sense and yours are going to be different on pretty much almost anything.
1: Well, actually, hold on a minute. That's kind of a little bit of a erroneous statement because the whole deal with common sense was that it was common but i'm saying usually we like something that was common sense was almost kind of universal
0: but think about it okay think about it
1: but not anymore
0: it's not anymore because we were then essentially put into isolated bubbles between six months to two years depending on everyone's experience so the common the social got eliminated now it's just sense right now, we're this brand new common, now that like, all the restrictions are lifted, COVID's gone, things like, or like, at least minimize pandemics over. And now we're back to a new common sense, but everyone else's perspective is shifted. It's all edited and revised. So, I agree with you actually that common sense would be a very difficult one. And I would rather ask the question of like, what does your sense say? Like, your instincts. Because... Common sense is no longer common.
1: I agree. I agree. <laughs> <It's got laughs> a lot
0: of, we a have lot, activity here tonight. A
1: lot going on today.
0: Ooh, man. All right. Question five. Or four. What do other godly people say? Now, this I have, like, stressful, like, immediate defenses up. Because I don't... As a Catholic, I would want like other godly people, I would want to like turn to the advice from my priest or from like a co or a peer I trust in this space or someone of faith that I trust. But like other godly people, I find that that be a very stressful way to phrase that. Would you agree?
1: I don't think I'm touching that one. All right. I don't think I'm touching that one because I don't think I can be polite about it. And my mom always said, you can't say something, I don't say nothing at all. I am so.
0: very excited for our <laughs> listeners to give their feedback tonight. This has been pretty funny.
1: So, I'm not going <laughs> to say nothing.
0: All right. Five. What do your circumstances say? Okay. And sometimes, and you know, I, Stacy and I are very different processors. Like, that's something, of course, our listeners have figured out. Uh, But for me, the kind of person I am is if I do have an opportunity or a problem before my feet, I sometimes just have to write out the truth. I'll have to like write it out and be like, literally look at my own handwriting or my own typed word and be like, oh, this is what it is saying. This is like the truth of the circumstances that I'm at from my perspective and being honest about it.
1: Which number was that?
0: Five. There's one more. Don't worry, you're almost out of more? here. You're almost out of here.
1: Um, I think, so far, that's actually been the most prudent one. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to be negative, I swear. Um, I think that's the most prudent one of all. Because a lot of times, when it comes um, to discerning God's will, or especially in my own personal life, uh, sometimes I forget what my situation is and what my circumstances are, and then I have this unrealistic kind of outcome, and I'm I'm discerning, uh, I'm discerning the correct decision with the wrong details. Does that make sense?
0: Ooh, I like that. And
1: and um and it's not because I'm looking through rose-colored cur- cur- gla- uh, glasses or because I don't want to face the truth. I just I'm I'm forgetting to take I, I'm I'm very analytical but I'm forgetting to take that one thing into account, which is like ends up being like a huge portion of the puzzle. You know what I mean? My circumstances. And you know here you go, so here's like an epiphany. Maybe that's why I fail. You know, when I when I made it earlier, sometimes I do the examination of conscience and I get frustrated because I three or four days go by and I make a similar decision, I'm like, wow I just did that three or four days in a row. Maybe, a lot of times I don't take into account my circumstance or my situation. Yeah does that make sense?
0: Absolutely.
1: and and I've been guilty of that a, a lot in my life of not you know looking at the circumstance. Yeah.
0: I do that. Um, I do that and um, I would even go as far as to say, That I will blindly, just to like protect my own stubbornness, ignore some red flags or concerns because it will disrupt my life, my day, my finances, my relationships, whatever it is. I will just turn a blind, an intentional blind eye to that, which will then be exactly what you said is that you are discerning the wrong situation with the wrong details. And I think that that is a really important way to view that sense of circumstances, because that will take a greater level of faith to actually look at your circumstances and your, tr- the truth for what it is. So, yeah. Ooh, I even like, as you wrote it, I like put it on, like wrote that down. I was like, that is uh-huh. a really good thing you said. I was like, oof, hit me right in the rib cage a little bit. See,
1: here you thought I was just going to make fun of it.
0: Oh, I know. I know. And anyway, guys, you should see, a lot of times I will be like, Stace is going to make fun of me for like two weeks after I've said this, and then I'll be fine. All right, last question that when I mean, you're discerning and asking if an opportunity or a problem is from God. Are you letting fear color your decision?
1: Oh, unfortunately for me, I don't have that problem.
0: Ooh, I'd love to know that. What do you mean?
1: That's how I get... That's part of the way I get in trouble. Because I don't have that problem. Because... Um... Because I'm... I'm, like, really loyal. Like, if... Um... If I know that it's a wrong decision... Um... Like, I'm not gonna kick you underneath the bus. Like, I'm not gonna let you get hurt or let someone else get hurt. But, like, I'm just gonna ride it out. Because we're friends.
0: <laughs> what? So I'm not
1: scared about any of the outcome because I'm just loyal. So I'm just going to ride it out.
0: Okay. We took this a totally different way. Um, I think that when you take when you take a situation like whether let's take that marriage one that you brought like when you were choosing to marry Gabe instead of entering the comment. If this were... Like, the fear of giving your life to another person, leaving this opportunity to just be on your own in your faith, right? Like, that, you know, there could be fear there to actually trust and rely that this person that you are choosing to spend the rest of your life with to help, make get into heaven by your own choices, to create a family, to live a life that way, I could see where fear can make someone go like, oh, I don't know. And then on the flip, be like, oh, I'm going to enter religious life. I am going to be, I am going to devote my whole self, my whole experience to faith, to God. And I'm going to trust that I will be provided for, that I will be cared for, that when I die, I will not, my, you know, it won't just be an unmarked grave. There'll be something there. And I think, like, there's such a, you know, we, for me, and that's my own, like, something I struggle in terms of, like, t- wanting to overcome this in my faith, my fear of both failure, abandonment, rejection, all those, when you, like, compart- like when you look at it, like, as one Rubik's Cube of fear, there's such a... Any opportunity could look wonderful and horrible when you have that. And it's about trusting God to clear eliminate that fear and to know he will strengthen your path whatever you choose.
1: (laughs) Well, how's this for simplistic? It wasn't fearful at all because the way I looked at it as I was discerning a vocation to religious life. Right, mm-hmm. which is essentially whether you're going to be a nun or a sister or a monk or a priest or brother or whatever, you're giving your life to God, right? It's a life of service. Um, I mean, even as lay people, we live lives of service, but that's a life of service on kind of a, a different level, right? hmm So I viewed it as God would have never put Gabe in my path if, if it wasn't meant to be. That is is true. So, I know, that's weird coming out of my mouth because I'm always saying about people being Pollyannish, but um, I just, at the stage I was in, in my discernment of a vocation, I did not think, uh, I just didn't think that God would do that. I don't know. Um, I mean, I was friends with plenty of people that were dis- also, um, I mean, I was discerning, I think I started discerning a vocation to religious life when I was about 14 or 15, and um, I did not tell anyone at all until I went to college, and even when I went to college, I I only shared with a handful of people that I was friends with, and and they were discerning religious life. Uh, Some of them were, you know, discerning priesthood, some of them were discerning uh, being like a cloistered nun or whatnot, and um, I only shared with them because To me, my life just seemed regular like everyone else and um, I needed to have uh, input from other people who were experiencing similar things. Um, And why I'm even mentioning that, where I'm going with that, is that there were, like I was friends with like a couple people who decided that they were super serious about their discernment of vocation to religious life in whatever manner. But at the same time, they did... Some of them did date. Yeah. And um, they just wanted to know, uh, you know, if it was definitely the right decision for them. And some of them went on to become um, religious and clergy in different capacities. And some of them went on to be married people. You know what I mean? So it just depends.
0: I think that just through life, there are so many (laughs) options... Be able to. Hey, uh, there are so many options in your way of deciding in life what you're supposed to do next. And we're, you know, weirdly enough, here at our parish um, in this uh, in July and August of next year, uh, there is a huge leap of faith kind of discernment opportunity here uh, for a pilgrimage in the Camino Santiago. So uh this is being led by uh, one of our home priests here at St. Patrick's, uh, Father David Allen. Uh he is gonna be leading two different types of pilgrimages, a week one, uh seven to eight days, and the other is five weeks. Like five weeks. And so the, so the one I'm gonna do, because of my realistic schedule, will be like the eight eight day one. Um, that will walk from Saria to Santiago. Uh, the other one that's for five weeks, uh, those um, parishioners that are so choosing are going to walk the 500 miles that takes over the course of five weeks. Um, that's just, in like in my mind, what an opportunity to really be, live that life of like, I'm waking up and what, God, what are you telling me to do? You're telling me to walk. You're telling me to walk and see where I end up and find the people I'm supposed to meet get the resources I'm supposed to have until I can offer up whatever motivated me to go on this discerning experience at your doors in this cathedral. And so it's just, the, it's funny. I would typically in my personality never be this person just because I'm always so busy. Uh, however, the opportunity really has presented itself. and I've heard something tell me to go. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for us to see what happens over those eight days in July, August. But if you are looking for a truly religious, spiritual, discerning experience, check, uh, check out this opportunity for next summer in Santiago. That'll be pretty cool. Um, but I can't believe it. We're almost out of time. Yeah, no. That's crazy. That's crazy. Whatever happens with us, it always goes so quick. Uh, So I'm going to close us out with a closing prayer. Um, So nice, short, sweet. So in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Today, O God of all days, give me an experience of your heart. Draw me deep into your very being, into the core of your love for me, others, and the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Guys, this has been Trial by Fire with your host, Stacey and Rachel. Leave us comments. We want to hear from you and we want to see what's up. And we are looking forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Yeah, and sorry our special guest did not drop by today. I know. So oh. we'll have to wait for them in the upcoming weeks.
0: We're Looking forward to it. Have a great night, guys. Stay safe out there.